Good morning, good morning. Thanks, you guys. I'm excited because your team has done such an amazing job of hosting our family and team here. We've been doing events called God Secrets, which is based on a book I wrote on Words of Knowledge. How many of you were able to come to God Secrets here in Manchester? Thank you so much for coming. You guys are amazing. We had so much fun. You gave up your game for England, which they had an epic win, to come be with us and learn about the prophetic, which is so much fun. And your, your family did such an amazing job hosting us. I just want to commend you guys. Your team is so awesome. It's so easy to work with. No drama, no hassles. We probably were dramatic, but they weren't, so it's great. <laughs> uh, also, I want to just say I, uh, I'm glad to be here when you guys are talking about your building season because I've so believed that there's space for your family, there's space for your church, there's space for your community. And to be a hub for this region, to really, to really be a part of something in this region, to be a resource center. And I love that you're getting your building. It's so significant and important. And I remember being here just, I don't know if it was a couple years ago, when I talked about there's space for you and there's a building for you. And unfortunately, we're here where there's no air conditioning still. So I believe by the next time I come, I'm going to pray into an air con, even though you don't need it all year round. It's just good to have. I'm going to pray that there's extra blessing enough just for that. <laughs> exactly. I know you guys have a lot of rain in winter, but hey. Well, uh, Danny and Sherry, I do want to mention that too. Danny and Sherry, some of my closest friends. If you don't know who they are, if you've never been around them before, buy your ticket. You need to be around them. It will change your life. And I don't say that like, oh, it's a charismatic experience that will change your life. No, no, no. It's a life experience that just being around them. There's certain people when they share ideas, it's formational for you. And it form, forms us inside and out. And they've helped to form my wife and my life, our church, our community. Of course, the Bethel Ministry Stream. Bethel Ministry Stream, just having Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin without Danny would not be the same entity it is today. He's like the backbone of emotional health and well-being in their whole community. And so you guys are so blessed to have them coming. I'm so glad for you. And I would almost come back just for that if I didn't have toddlers. Okay. So... Um, Let's pray real fast. Holy Spirit, we pray that as we talk about the subject, that it would touch us deeply in a spiritual level, but also that you would help to trigger things in our mind for action, God, that we want to we actually take action based on this message to think differently and live differently. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm doing kind of a message that's a newer message thought for me, and I have tons of research. I'm still trying to condense it into a small message of 30 minutes. And I did 35 last service, so they're pretty good. Uh, but it's, it's newer thoughts, but, and a lot of it is, comes from research in the neurobiological community or neuroscience, and then also in biology, and then also in psychology. And I've, been, I've read probably about 38 neuroscience uh, books over the last two years because it's the most descriptive field that relates to me in the prophetic of any field. I know that sounds very bizarre, but it's so close to how we receive information in our spirits when you study neuroscience. So I've been studying this, and it's easy to study for me, and I've talked to neuroscientists and neurobiologists and these kinds of people, and it's amazing because we're having these conversations. We're like, you're the first person in the church who's ever cared about us that we've ever met in our entire lives. But there's amazing Christians involved in this field, and it's such a beautiful field, and it parallels our spiritual process. And so it's been one of my favorite fields. I've also been reading some books on biology and how our biology is made up. I've been very interested about oxytocin and dopamine. And there's all these new researches in the last 10 years that are proving our ability and how God created us to be wired for connection. We are absolutely neurologically, psychologically, and biologically wired for connection, not just spiritually. 
And so our actual body and our frame was made to connect to God. So of course we've had the fall of man. So there's the fallen nature, which disconnects to God. And the fallen nature, the biggest, clearest point to look at it and see it and see what it is, is the disconnect from anything good and spiritual. But in the same being that has that inside of us, we were also wired for complete connection with God. And that should be encouraging to you because sometimes we're just like, I have original sin, this is hard. And there's certain patterns I can't escape. You know, they just keep coming back around and around again. The reality is that you were more made to be wired to God even in those areas than you were made to be disconnected. And it's not just like a metaphysical or metaphorical thing. It's an actual physical thing in your body, your mind, your chemistry to be wired to God. Now, Jesus prayed in John 17, 21, and we look at this as like kind of a poetic prayer. A lot of Christians take a lot of the prayers in the Bible, and they haven't put behind it the methods of psychology where God is the smartest being in the universe, and he understands how we work because he created us. So even a lot of these prayers, we're seeing science proving the biblical prayers now. We're seeing science proving the themes in the Bible that Paul talked about. And a lot of people in the scientific community are realizing how brilliant God is by what was put in the Word and how applicable it is today. The fact that we're still growing from a book that was written thousands of years ago and it's still relevant today is a miracle in itself because we've advanced so much in society. We've advanced so much in, our, in, in all areas, and yet this book is still so relevant. It's crazy. But I want to read John 17, 21. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us. Now, this isn't just a hypothetical nice prayer. I just want to be one with you. This is Jesus who occupies the same spiritual space as the Father and the Holy Spirit, praying that we would occupy that space with him. The place of total connection, joy, fulfillment that he feels inside of himself where he said, I'm going to share out of this place and create man in my image to share because I have so much to give I'm going to create someone I can give it to who will also give back and give to each other. And that's why he made us. And so Jesus is praying this very specific prayer, which was God's original intent, his original intent as well, because they're all one, that we would be one with him. And as we look at that, what does oneness really look like and mean? And I want to take you on a little journey. I want to start out just talking about connection. And there's a a neuroscientist named Susan Pinkerston who She's written lots of research papers on the the issue of connection because when you look at the top 10 things that cause us to die early, which some of those last service we actually had some of you guys guess who they were, not some of you, but some of the people who were there, guess what those things would be. We would all understand what most of them are, like clean air. If we don't have clean air, we die early. Alcoholism. If you have alcoholism, you die early. Cigarettes. Overweight not exercising, stress. These are the things in the top 10 list that cause you to die early, that actually take away from your life. But also, if you don't have alcohol, you have to look at it as a life extender because if you don't have excessive alcohol use, you're going to live longer than people who do. And if you don't have tobacco use in your life, you're going to live longer than people who do when you have excessive tobacco use, those kinds of things. And a lot of times we don't think about this in the context of I can have a better quality of life long-term if I just don't have these engaged in my life. So Susan had been studying the issue of longevity for a number of years, and she was actually trying to just study life expectancy. She wasn't trying to, uh, to research connectivity, and she wasn't trying to research social integration, but she found out that the number one thing that causes people to live longer is social integration. 
and connectedness. Those are the number one and two. So that means that the number one and two thing that she discovered that also takes away our life and takes away our quality of life and the years on our life and our longevity is the lack of social integration and the lack of connectedness. So she went on this radical research journey and she's proven to the scientific community some amazing things. And one of the amazing things that she did is she tried to find the people group who lived the longest on the earth and she was trying to figure out, like, how does this work? What makes them tick? And that's where she found social integration first. Now she's proven it in all kinds of societies. But she went to Sardinia, and she went to these villages in Sardinia where there's tens of thousands of people who all seem to know each other. And she found out that the men there live, uh, uh, that 10 times as many men live pa- past 100 than on average. So 10 times as many men live past 100 than on average. Why? A key reason is that none of them are lonely. Psychologist and neurologist Susan Pinkerston uh, talks about the face-to-face contact in our area of disbanded families and virtual connections. And she, she brought a highlight to, and she ended up doing some TED Talks based on the research. She brought a highlight to the fact that, that if you have social integration, now social integration is different, and that's the number one. Number two is connectedness. Social integration is different than connectedness. Connectedness is your sense of where you fit in your place of family, friendships, and life. Social integration just means where you fit in society around you. Do you know your neighbors? Do you say hi to your mail carrier? Do you talk to the barista who's serving you at Starbucks? Are you nice to the people on the bus or the tube when you're going by? Do you look people in the eye when you open the door for them and say hello? Those are social integrations. Those are what are lacking right now in Western culture. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a number of studies, but I'll just read one of them. Britons of all ages now devote more time to digital devices and screens than to any other activity except sleeping. Hello. A lot of those hours are spent alone, so it's in isolation. No app exists that is as effective as one year with a highly trained teacher, meaning uh, social integration is way more powerful and positive than any, you know, in uh, isolation, or the cumulative effect of regular family meals spent together, a quarter of Britons now say they feel emotionally unconnected or disconnected from others, and a third do not feel connected to the wider community. If men are to live as long as women, if urbanites hope to live as long as Mediterranean village dwellers in Sardinia, they need to live in a place where they know and talk to their neighbors. So here's the deal. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God's given us technology, but we're allowing it, and the enemy's strategy over it is to get us disconnected instead of allowing it to be tools to bring more connection. One of the things I love about this is the neurologist Elizabeth Webcase says that personal contact elicits greater connectivity in brain areas linked to social problem-solving, attention, and reward than remote connection. In other words, when identical information is transmitted via recording, something gets lost. So if it's a text message, a recording, an email, it's 25% less impactful than face-to-face. Now, here we have a God who actually describes the book of John and John 1 that we have the word of God who is Jesus, and it's living and active and sharper than any other sword. So we have a word that's not just a textbook or just, just a rule book, but it's actually a living book where he's giving his message. So it's not an email being sent, but he brings his Holy Spirit. You have the word and the spirit who relates to us face-to-face. If you don't have a connection to God where he's speaking truth to you, then you're, li- you're having 25% less impact neurologically than people who have a relationship with God where he actually speaks and connects and brings truth through the word. And it's not just a rule book. It's not just a moral compass, but it's actually a living truth. 
And this is powerful. But the other thing is, can you imagine the fact that we have so many people in society, the primary way of communication now is text messaging and emailing, and it has 25% less impact or more than an audible talk over the phone or FaceTime or, or you know, an actual face-to-face interaction. And you're seeing families just here in the UK who I think uh, one of the statistics that I read about is that 50% of families only do one meal a week together as a family. Now it's proven that if you do seven meals a week together, it doesn't matter what meals, that your family depression rate will go down by 70%. Individual depression rate in family will go down by 70% just because there's seven points of connection. Connection is such a powerful thing that it kills a lot of the common symptoms in society of deeper problems, which is the lack of connection in family. So uh, I want to prove to you one more thing in this is that the fact that there's a film that came out called Happy. And in this film, this, these guys take a, a trip around the world and they're trying to find the happiest people on, planet, on the planet. And invariably, and these are psychologists who go around, invariably these people who live in communities where they feel connected to each other, they feel safe because they feel watched out for. That was the leading statement. They felt safe because they feel watched out for. And number two, they didn't feel lonely, which created happiness because they had connection and social integration. And I love that social integration was as simple as just talking to your neighbor. Can you imagine that that's even more important than the deeper connection of marriage? If you just have marriage, but you don't have social integration, you're still cutting back your life cycle. God made us and wired us to be a part of the world and society around us. We were made to be a contributor to society. We were made to be a part of it. And when we're not a part of it, when we're not a contributor, and these are things like voting. And one of the reasons why um, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Redkay said that voting was important is because you go to polls and you have interactions and you talk to people on the way and on the way back and you're connected. And so it's a social integration. And the people who aren't voting, people who aren't participating in uh, public forums in their city, people who don't go to church, people who, these people are missing the integration. Now I live in LA where you don't even meet your neighbors and you're glad you don't because then you don't have one more conversation. Like we, in LA, we have so many different people who deliver mail. I've never met my mail carrier twice. Like it's hard to meet people in cities where the city's moving so fast. And so we live wired against social integration because we don't typically live in small communities anymore in the Western world. And even small communities are lacking social integration. So the church has an opportunity to rise up in in this kind of a time and retrain the world what social integration looks like because the gospel is a gospel that points at social integration and connection. The church is one of the answers for this huge problem and epidemic that's going on right now. Okay. Uh, the second area I want to talk about is still neuro- neurology about the brain. And it's, uh, so this is actually still the first area, sorry. Is that, is that the brain itself is the only organ in your body that's only socially developed. So you have to have social interaction for your brain to develop. You won't get neuromapping in your brain if you don't have social interaction, which means that there's not places for your thoughts or your neurons to fire through. And so if you're only alone in isolation, if you do an MRI test versus somebody who's had a lot of social interaction to someone who has none, it looks very similar to a baby brain, even if they're 30 years old, and somebody who is brilliant or genius or social interaction, those kinds of people. It's so different that if, I don't know if you've ever um, been in a big city and tried to look up, like maybe in London, you try and look up and see stars and you see nothing. Have you ever had those nights? You're like, where are the stars? And you go out in the country here and you're like, wow. That's what MRIs look like sometimes. People who have nothing going on and people who have the universe at their hand. And it's so important to think about that because 
There's so much not firing off when you're not having social interactions, but every social interaction causes neurons to fire and it causes your neuro mapping to get used like a, a muscle and you're exercising your neuro mapping and it causes more and more brilliance to come to you that affects your projects, your creativity, your other social interactions, your happiness, and your connection to the world. And we don't think of it that way, but that's exactly what happens when you say hi to your mail carrier, when you're nice to somebody, when you open the door for somebody, when you, when you even things as, like, as far as letting people cut ahead of you in traffic is still a social interaction. And we don't think of those things, but those are exactly what cause us to feel wired in life for goodness. So in that, we have this thing called neuroplasticity, which is the term used to describe the brain's lifelong dynamic capacity to grow and change. And that means that in your brain, you're wired to change and grow. And if you start to go down a bad pattern, like a lack of social integration or addiction or something that blocks you from, from connection with the world around you, the beautiful thing is your neuroplasticity plasticity can be built within 30 days again. So it only takes 30 days to establish a new pattern in your brain of new activity. It can heal itself. Your brain is the only organ that can flat out heal itself 100% of the time unless you have a brain injury or there's something wrong with it. Isn't that beautiful? So there's a neurologist right now that say it takes 30 days to recreate a pattern in your life. It takes 30 days to break an addiction neurologically. Now, it may take more psychologically, but neurologically, you rewrite your brain every 30 days. That's beautiful. I mean, like people are like, I want to create a habit. You can read the Bible for 30 days. It becomes part of your neuroplasticity and your mind wants it. it. It creates a hunger where your pathways are formed. Your neurons are waiting to be fired down that pathway. It's just so beautiful. Okay. I, I didn't say this last time, but I love this. Neurologically, the energy we get when we're connected to each other puts more power into the atmosphere. It's really interesting because when they, when they measure neurological power, when they measure when your mind's firing off, it actually puts energy outside of your brain. So there's a, an energy they can, they can see through scans that radiates like those halos in the old Renaissance pictures. There's, there's energy that's put out. And when there's two or more people who are sharing the same ideas, there's an energy that's put out into the room that actually changes the atmosphere in a room. And they don't know what it does. They literally still, to this day, they've only known this for 10 years, they don't know what that energy does, but they know it has good implications. That's all they know. I just thought that was interesting because God made us to be an energy conductor by our good thoughts, change the atmosphere in a room. They don't know what it does. We know that it's good. Uh, last thing about this is that because we're wired neurologically for connection and we're wired spiritually for connection, when we understand those, there's parallels between them. And so we know we have the mind of Christ and one of the thing, beautiful things about that is that uh, they've studied out of the UCLA, the Department of Neurology there, that uh, they've come up with this term about 18 years ago and about 10 years ago it became popular uh, culture science and it became what all neuroscientists believe, that when we share the same ideas uh, that are powerful ideas, that neurology that fires together, meaning if I have a brilliant idea that's truth, excuse me, and it becomes your truth as well, that when those neurons fire together, they wire together, meaning our minds, our neural pathways start to wire and map the same way. So they're starting to see communities and families and groups of people that as they share good, similar ideas, that their neurology changes to match each other's or look like each other's, to mimic each other's. And so it's become a very beautiful pattern in humanity that if we deliberately 
fire together, meaning we fire off great ideas and we're impacted and we allow ourselves to be impacted by good ideas, that it changes our neural mapping and allows, if we get enough of those neurological firings, it creates a mapping in our brain that's similar to the people that we respect that are speaking the ideas to us. And they, you know, like every thumbprint is different. Every, we're like snowflakes. But when they look at neurobiology through MRIs and through scans of people who spend a long time around the same issues together that are powerful issues, their mind mapping looks similar in those quadrants of their brain. Isn't that amazing? So you spend time connected and integrated with people who have the same kinds of passions and desires and goals with you, and they're firing and what they're growing and what they're learning impacts you as well. Now, this is another truth in this that, that I'm sure the scientific community doesn't think about, so I'm speaking philosophically here, or theologically even, is that 1 Corinthians uh, 2 says that the Holy Spirit searches the deepest, most innermost thoughts of the processor of the Father and relates them to us, and then it says, we have the perceptions or the mind of Christ, which means when Jesus said, I pray that they be one with us, and when he prayed that we would understand and think like him and say, imitate me, when he was saying those things, he knew that in doing that, that it changes even our neural mapping to match his. That his firings with the Father turn into our firings with the Father that changes the neural pathways in our brain to be wired like Jesus Christ himself. So when he's saying be imitators of Christ, Paul's not just saying it, and Jesus isn't saying it just to be like a nice thought. Just like kind of, you know, recreating my behavior patterns. He's saying how I am wired is how God intended in the first place. Be wired like me by imitating me. Share my thoughts with me. And what's firing off in me is going to fire off in you. Oh, that just makes me happy. So I'm going to talk about biological hormone wired. This is crazy. Like this is, I love our, our, our season of science that we're in. Uh, how many of you have heard of oxytocin? So oxytocin is now uh, affectionately called by a scientific and biological community the God hormone or the cuddle hormone, either one. And the reason why is because it's the hormone that's released mainly in monogamous relationships that causes us to feel the deeper connection and commitment and faithfulness to each other. So when you're in a monogamous relationship, it also is given between children and their caregivers, which would be most likely their parents. When you're in a monogamous or a strong caregiving relationship, you start to have a biological release of safety and the feeling on a biological level of connection to somebody because of the, the role that you're in with them. This doesn't happen in frivolous relationships, one night stands. It doesn't happen in it doesn't happen in just fun friendships at work. Oxytocin is released in your most committed relationships where you share values, you share uh, caregiving, you share caretaking. And so it's beautiful because it's, it's the, the hormone that causes men to be so faithful to their wives. They're 70% more faithful in monogamous relationship than non-monogamous relationship because of oxytocin. It causes you to not want to leave or betray your wife or your monogamous relationship. Isn't it amazing? You're wired for a biological connection for one person. And as children, it causes them to be more obedient to their parents because the more oxytocin that's released, the more it causes affection and obedience in relationship. Now that's amazing to me that we were wired and geared that way. What happens is a lot of times in our society is that uh, apps, devices, games, TV, and then also pornography and some of the darker things these things actually release dopamine inside of you. And dopamine's a lesser hormone that gives you an immediate gratification. It's not a bad hormone by any means. 
Dopamine is a good hormone, but when it's being used wrongly, pornography releases so much dopamine in your system that it floods or flushes your system out of things like oxytocin or it replaces the same place that oxytocin would be in. And dopamine does not cause bonding and it does not cause connection. And so many marriages are suffering because let's just use the issue of pornography. It could be entertainment or something else as well because people are in a dopamine rush and they want dopamine hits and they're doing things to get immediate gratification and they're actually robbing themselves as long-term oxytocin gratification that happens from the bonding. The other thing that's interesting is women can only have up to seven sexual partners in their lifetime where oxytocin is released, but there's a hormone inside of them that begins to diminish that will cause them to not produce the bonding hormone anymore if they have too many uh, uh, non-monogamous relationships, which I think is like, you know, it's a ripoff for men because we're wired for sexuality and a lot of times the pornography and other stuff in a way. It's a ripoff for women if they're getting into all these relationships. And, you know, we say, you know, monogamy is the best way in the church because we believe in marriage is the best way. But the world is even now saying, I mean, top psychologists in the world are saying monogamy is the best way because they're watching the effects on our biology of what happens if you have sexual relationships outside of a committed relationship over and over and over. It actually robs you of deeper connection that you're supposed to have biologically. Now, how does this work for our spirituality? Well, they've now done research, and there's several groups that have done this research, and they've done it amongst thousands of people from five different religions, Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, uh, Catholicism, and I can't remember the fifth religion right now for some reason. I, I didn't have it in my notes. Some of my notes got deleted today, unfortunately. But you can look this up. If you just look up religion and oxytocin, this will come up in your Google um, it maybe not the, the, the in-depth research, which if you're friends with a psychologist, you could ask them to find it for you. But uh, what's amazing is that they're finding out, and this, this will come up in any kind of Google search, they're finding out in the scientific community that Christians who are worshiping in their worship time have oxytocin released, Christians and Catholics. But Buddhists don't, and Islam, Islamic religion does not. Muslims don't. Is that crazy? And they, they're shocked. The scientific community mostly isn't Christian. So they're saying, as far as the people who are researching this, and they're saying, I'm not a believer in Christianity, but something is happening on a biological level in Christianity that doesn't happen anywhere else in any other religion. And oxytocin that's usually only released, which is called the cuddle hormone or the God hormone, is actually proving that people are having a, at least they're believing on a psychological and now a biological level that they're connected to God. I just thought I'd mention it. Worship's more important than we think. Okay, let me keep. So psychologically, uh, psychology today, I'm going to prove to you psychologically some of the effects of what happens when we're committed, when we're connected, and we live in social integration. Here is seven things that happen to you when you live in social integration. This is according to a, 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 a magazine article called Social Integration from Psychology Today from three different psychologists who put it together in 2012 the May edition. So number one, it keeps stress at bay by 25%. It lowers and keeps stress in check when you have basic social integration and you have four or five committed relationships where you're connected. That's amazing. Number two, it leads you into greater success in your life goals. If you have those two things, it leads you into greater success in your life goals. So you're made to be connected. When you're not connected, you don't have as much success as people who are connected. Number three, it causes you to live a longer life. We just talked about that because of the research. Number four, I love this one because when you live a connected life, it promotes the highest quality of mental health. The people who are having mental illness are getting completely cured by social integration and connection. 
this isn't me saying this, this is the psychological community are saying, we are seeing 100% cure rates in things like bipolar disorder that cannot be cured in people's minds up until these studies have come out, that they can be cured not by the medicine itself, but by social integration and connectedness, that that brings mental health into check in a way that medicine cannot. I think that's interesting. If you're like, I have some mental illness or I have you know, bipolar or whatever, you might want to study this out and figure this out because this might be a key for you. Number six, or number five, it creates space for ambitions to emerge that would normally be suppressed. So people are finding great suppression and certain ambitions for goals in life, creativity, for things to emerge in society because they have a lack of integration and a lack of connection. Now, this is the enemy's biggest strategy because if he can get people isolated and disconnected, then he wins the war of impact of transformation culture. Because if we're not connected, we're not integrated, we'll have no impact or even ambition to impact. We'll just live a normal life. And we're not called to live a normal life. We're called to live an impactful, connected life. Number six, it helps society and culture develop marked by advancement. So when you live a connected life and you live in social integration, you see the cultures who are doing that, like in Sardinia, you can see the marking uh, uh, times in their society of release of advancement in different areas because of their social integration and connection. So, so this is like the Renaissance periods and different periods when people start to become connected to themselves and not just like live vicariously through government or a church, but there's self-connection, there's connection to gifting, to talent, to other things, but there's also social integration that, that's being fought for in that, that you see marks in society and movement and culture. Number seven, it creates the highest possible empathy and compassion that leads to a higher moral compass in society. I think that's powerful. When you have social integration connection, you see the highest level of empathy and compassion, which leads to a moral compass going up for us all. We right now suffer from a terrible moral compass in the Western world, just terrible moral compass in the Western world. Thank God that we do have Christianity in our roots because it's helping us, because there's nations that don't have Christianity in their roots, like China has been asking uh, a lot of ministries in America, the government of China has been asking them to come over and help them to mentor their culture because there's no moral compass. And they're seeing such corruption in their business world, such corruption in their military, such corruption in their in their um, institutions, education institutions, that they've been inviting Christians from America and also South Korea to come over and mentor whole quadrants of people. And it's really cool because a lot of them are in our stream of churches. So they're actually having great impact and seeing discipleship happen and salvation happen. And it's authorized by the communist government of China, which is amazing. Okay, so let me just wrap this up. Romans 12 verse 2. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Isn't that amazing? So when, when Paul's saying that, I think we, before we're just thinking of moral issues, we're thinking, don't imitate the world's morality, but we're actually, we need to look at it bigger than that. Don't imitate society right now who's isolating themselves through multimedia, entertainment, apps, devices. Don't try and be like the world around you or settle to be like the world around you who's disengaged from society, but instead don't imitate that culture, but set a new culture, which is totally beautiful to God, which is social integration and connection. So like, let's stop going to the lowest common denominator and say, oh, it's probably about sin. Let's stop imitating the world for sin. No, we're imitating the patterns of the world, which actually bring a disconnect from God 
in others, which is very important to look at. Romans 8, 28, the Passion Translation, it says, see, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Every detail I just proved to you, neurologically, biologically, and psychologically, that you were wired for connection with God, and you're wired for social integration. These are every detail woven together to fit in God's perfect plan for your life. And it says, for he knew us. So he knew you from before you were born. So he knew, uh, for he knew all about us before we were born. He destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of Jesus. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family. This is beautiful because he knew us before we were born and he destined you to be wired like Jesus. I just proved to you neurologically you can be. This isn't just a nice scripture. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just a parable. It's not poetry. This is literal that he wired you to be like Jesus. Not a little bit, a lot. To be completely like Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, be like me, he was serious. Last thing is 1 John 3.18, beloved children, Our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but it has to be a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We can't have an abstract theory of connection or social integration because it's causing us to die early and not fulfill our full potential. He paid too high a price on the cross for us to live a lesser life. We have to live a life that is worthy of the price he paid on the cross. And to do that, that means we get to love ourselves, love the world around us as we love him. And when that happens the world and society begin to change because we actually become people who change the culture through even the power of how our inner culture is working puts energy out there and changes the atmosphere of the outer world. Get your inside mind and heart right. Therefore, then you will see God in the outside world around you. Some of us are like, I don't see enough of God moving in my life. I don't have enough favor. I don't have enough blessing. It's hard financially. Get in here right, and that will come right. Your outside will manifest what's inside. That's why beauty is not about the outside. It's about the inside. So I want to pray for you. Go ahead and stand up.